Hey guys, welcome back to Break the Gate Podcast. We have Chris and Rod again. I almost said Mario. Yeah, <laughs> breaking my heart. Yeah. yeah, I know. Mario is no longer with us. He's still alive. He's just not, you know. Yeah, with you. <laughs> Mario died. No. Yeah. Uh, we, today we've got Jenny Armon. Uh, she's the executive creator, producer, and music supervisor at Squeaky Clean um, Productions. Or is it just Squeaky Clean? Yeah, Squeaky Bee Productions. Jenny, thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. So happy to be yeah. here. Of course. Yeah. Um, so if you want to just go ahead and start off with a little bit of your background and some of the projects that you've been on, uh, just to kind of get the rolling a little bit and see let everybody know who you are and what you've done. Sure. Yeah. So um, I am, my title is executive creative producer. I, and what that means is basically I manage the entire team that includes uh, composers that are writing original music, uh, music supervisors, producers that act somewhat as project management uh, managers in this world. Um, We've got uh, people in marketing on my team, um, as well as um, studio assistants. Um, And my role entails a couple different things. Um, New business, for sure. Client relations. Um, All of our clients are typically... um, because the majority of what we do is is in advertising. So it's all of those roles. It's going to be a commercial producer, a broadcast producer, um, a creative director, a art director, copywriter, uh, director of film as well. We'll typically reach out. Um, or you've got the brand side when we're working directly with brands where it's it can be someone that has an account director title can be anyone at the brand side that needs music that goes to picture or some sort of element that needs music or sound or audio. So you're not only dealing with the realm of just sync and licensing, you're actually putting everything together. When you're talking about like producers, are they coming to you or are you going out and going to the clients to try to pitch these libraries? Um, It's a little bit of both. So the company I work for, Squeaky Clean, is um, a big staple in our industry. Um, The owner is named Sam Spiegel, who happens to be Spike Jones's brother. Um, he's incredibly talented, um, and they've got a really big name going. So we have clients that reach out to us. Um, but it's also all of our jobs to really continue to spread the gospel, spread the word and, uh, get those juicy, cool projects in. Um, we also work in film as well. Um, we have an entire post facility that does sound design, mix, VO records, ADR for film, Um, so it really runs the gamut. Um, and I failed to mention that the other part of my title, music supervisor, um, can look different in a lot of ways. Um, it can be somebody coming to, uh, to me that says, I know exactly what track that I want to license. Can you do it? (laughs) Um, here's a fee to do that. Um, or I have no idea what I'm doing (laughs) or what we want rather not what they're doing, but what, what we want creatively, can you give us, you know, some ideas, exploratory. Um, and for that, we will, I, myself and the team will 
kind of pre-clear some tracks, get some ballpark pricing from labels, publishers, independent artists, um, and really provide a really well-rounded selection that can go on for a couple of different rounds. Hopefully it nails in the first one. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, you always have to keep in mind, you know, what, what are there, are there any issues that you've heard about with this artist or with this management or this publisher? You kind of have to keep that in mind. So if they're like, we want blank, I Mm -hmm. sometimes have a little bit of background information, whether that will even get approved to get cleared and licensed. Okay. So when you say uh, pre-cleared, what exactly does that mean? So it can mean a couple different things, but typically it would be um, like, let's just say I wanted to pitch Wu-Tang. Um, I would, you know, (laughs) based on my knowledge of if I've ever worked with them in the past, or if I know, you know, from different people I've spoken with, okay, they don't do this type of brand. They, they will never work with this and they don't typically license actually for sync. So it could be a long shot. Um, and if they don't typically license for sync, in my mind, I'm adding a lot more money to that to kind of sweeten Mm -hmm. the pot. Um, and if it's a film, for instance, I'm working on a film right now coming up where there is a very iconic artist that that has passed away, but his estate lives on and they don't typically license this track for this amount of money. But the cool thing is, is that they are thinking to work that into the actual film about talking about Mm -hmm. this artist and his legacy, which can Mm -hmm. incredibly like woo estates if it's really built in in a very loving honorable way um but i'll typically get like i'll i'll ask publishers and like and uh labels you know like what's a ballpark figure and those ballparks do range they can bump up a lot (laughs) they never go Mm -hmm. down (laughs) um (laughs) so and i'll always tell the client as well you know this is just a ballpark it's all going to potentially change when we actually move forward with licensing this with the media that you need with the clearance that you need any exclusivity runtime um but you know, and then also if they're doing any like type of like remix to it or changes to that original track, that's always a red flag for me as well to tell them um, where I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to clear this creatively. And sometimes the artists just won't if there's Mm. some changes, Um, you know, if it's taking away from what they intellectually created, um, that can always be an interesting conversation. So if I've ever worked with a, a an artist that I know will not accept any creative changes, I will also flag that too. Okay. In components of like people want to work with artists, but in the digital age, people are in basements and they can pretty much make any sound. You can make like a massive record in with like very little. Uh when people are looking for specific artists, how important is it for like backup plans for uh, people that basically have like a uh, sound that's similar to it. You guys already have that on the back burner or does the brand say like, I want Wu-Tang. I'm only settling for Wu-Tang. I won't go anywhere else. Um, well, <laughs> so there is this thing called demo love that 
is really annoying or great if it's your track um, where they they hear it against the cut or the film and they are just in love. They don't want anything else. Don't tell them anything else. Um, but you can always try. They're always like trying to beat it. Um, so if there's demo love, I, you know, we'll always do our di- due diligence to give them so many options. Um, but once that ear want or earworm has stuck, um, it's really hard to get it out. So there's, yeah, I mean, the company I work for doesn't really create like ripoffs of things. Um, they really go back to the original, um, foundation because there's just no, I mean, there are places in this industry and in my industry that, that do just rip off tracks and you'll be watching a, a spot and you'll be like, mm-hmm. I know this. I've heard yeah. this before. Where do I know this? Right. 100%. Yeah. But what that means is they use a reference track. They've created something very similar and hopefully they have used someone uh, named a musicologist to mm. approve the, the changes and tweaks that they've made to not make it, like to make make it legal to use basically yeah. and that will hopefully stand up in court. Um, <laughs> right. So I have worked at companies in the at the very beginning of my career where you know maybe they would try and venture to rip something off but I think it's um I think it's a red flag. I also think it takes away from the composer's artistic approach to have to mm you know, rip off Coldplay or Peter Bjorn (laughs) and John or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm listing things from the early days, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, overall, I think we're always trying to beat that demo love. So we're trying to get in as early as possible. I know this is a long winded answer, but no, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So, you know, they go to shoot and then they hand it all the dailies and uh, all of the the film to the editor. So the editor, while the editor is working and chopping up that film, um, is hopefully cutting to a track that has some pacing that kind of tells that story. And Mm -hmm. that's where you want to be in our position. We want to be right there where the editor is cutting to our music and that is creating the demo love track. Awesome. Yeah. So like, I guess the key takeaway is that authenticity always wins. And that's definitely a component. And I guess I was thinking more like, okay, if I want a song that's like the 1975, there's a list of bands that are kind of in that subgenre. Um, how likely is it to kind of then pitch other artists? But at the the same time i thought that you were the library you're going to the libraries to get the music so it's both completely actually different. Oh, so, okay. yeah because we have like so many departments and divisions we have the original composition wing we also have the music supervision wing so if i'm pitching this and i know that they want a really recognizable song i'm not going to mm-hmm. go to my my library with my composer's work in it I'm going to go to Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Apple Music, YouTube, all of those sources to really... Where the metrics... Yeah, to find something that's going to really be recognizable because, you know, you've got brands that 
like for instance, Walmart, they're always putting the money towards the sink. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you've got another brand and that wants something more original, I'm going to dip into my library first and try to find those, those feelings that they want, that vibe that they want, that pacing, instrumentation, all of that. Um, if they want yeah. vocals, you know, I'll give them tracks and say, hey, we can tweak these and we can add vocals on top of these. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really kind of like the customizable side that opens up for them versus, okay, <laughs> this is Marvin Gaye. We know this track. Mm-hmm. Let's license it. Spotify has been pretty good at um, creating that algorithm to recognize the different modes of music too. Like you could type in feel good vibes or something or um breakup or i'm feeling sad but you know i want to feel happy or something yeah, like yeah, that sure, you know and it'll sure. pull up like a huge list of songs that are in that same mood totally so. yeah and i've i i always try to have the company that i'm working at the library to to mirror that as well so mm-hmm. if it if it is client facing which ours is you know you can really type in those feelings and it'll just bring things up and it's so interesting too the way that we interpret words to music of how to mm-hmm. describe Easy. it. That was always something that I was, that was the first thing I did in this industry is like, how would you describe this track? <laughs> you yeah. know? And um, yeah, it takes some, some writing skills and some imagination, but they get it, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to say um, your world is a huge component that a lot of musicians overlook. Um, if you're a musician and you're listening to this and you don't understand what we're talking about, do it now. Everyone wants a booking agent. Everyone wants a manager. Write amazing, authentic music and learn the world of sync and licensing because you guys can change people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a band that toured and Chris Turnell, uh recorded our stuff, but he also wrote the music for the Lego Batman movie. He did uh, a lot of stuff for like Disney and he can feed his family. He has a very comfortable life and he has control of his time because he learned that world Mm -hmm. and he does it very well. So this is probably, I would say to date, one of the most important aspects for musicians to focus on. I Mm -hmm. do want to emphasize that. Yeah. Um, And please don't just cram all your demos to her. She's taking her time to teach us this world. Um, you're going to earn that reputation, keep building your, your repertoire, keep building your catalog and then start pitching to companies that are out there. So Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, for the other side of the, I guess, uh, music industry, how would somebody get to a role that you're in? If they're just starting with no experience, you know, no college degree, they just love music and they want to be able to contribute. Uh, how did she get to her? Yeah. How did you do? (laughs) That's actually, yeah. It's you guys, it is, it was a windy road, (laughs) but I'll tell you from the beginning as quickly as possible. Um, I basically, um, so I'm from Virginia, um, this beautiful state, uh, thus the beautiful state of Virginia. I'm not living there now, obviously, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, it's super boring. (laughs) So I was actually, um, Actually, I'm going to tell you guys something I didn't really tell a lot of people. It's really nerdy. (laughs) I worked at Best Buy in high school. Um, And (laughs) there were these things as a cashier, if you sold product replacement plans. 
and you sold Mm. five of them, you'd get a free CD. That's how old I am. And so I was like, let's go. So I would be selling 10 of these mofos a day, each shift. (laughs) And I was just racking up those CDs and I was bringing them all home. And I was like, what am I going to do with them? So I would go to parties with my CD collection. If the music sucked, I would jump on the DJ table and just start Mm -hmm. DJing. Um, I started to get more into vinyl as well, but I just started to DJ parties more and more. And when I moved to New York, by the way, all I knew is that I wanted to live in New York. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be an actress for a while, but I, but my okay. sister quickly told me, do not do that. So I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be an actress. What else can I do? Um, I got my first real job um, at an advertising agency. Um, and at that advertising agency, there are new business pitches um, that happen where they're basically saying, okay, um, I don't know, Toyota, whatever. We want you, we want to do your advertising for you. So we're going to prepare a creative pitch of how we would approach you and your brand and your creative. And for those pitches, you're really just handing a package to that brand to review your talent. So you technically, you should license these tracks. However, at that time, we pitched these tracks that were uncleared just to one person to review internally, privately of what we were offering. So somebody was like, hey, you like music. Literally, I was asking everybody I knew, do you want to go to this concert? Have you heard of this band? Let me give you a mix CD. Like I was just always this annoying music girl (laughs) that was spending (laughs) all of her money on music. And I didn't really know what to do about it. But um, somebody pulled me aside after a couple new business pitches and was like, by the way, you know, you can do this full time, right? And I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. It's way too fun. (laughs) Um, But they were right. And so I said, I quit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I joined, I I joined a music company as a literally just a receptionist. I I didn't even care. I just wanted to see how it all worked. Um, and before I had left, I made a lot of really nice contacts. And so people started bringing me work to my company, even as like a low level, you know, assistant, um, in a music house. But So that was one golden ticket for me. Um, Those relationships that were bringing, that were converting to money for the company I was working for. Um, Also great commercial, like great spots, great projects. And then also on the, on the educational side, I was learning how people were composing, how to write about music, what instrumentation works for this, what's going to work to picture music licensing as well. Um, So I was just absorbing everything, taking notes, um, and kind of moved my way up in that world. I, I am really, um, a relationship junkie. I feel like people are so precious. My grandma always said, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, and Mm -hmm. those contacts and relationships for my Rolodex have been incredibly, not only just rewarding professionally and, and financially, but also on a friendship standpoint, like I, I love our industry. I think it is filled with amazing people that are artists that have somehow converted their art to make a living and they're Mm -hmm. incredibly talented and smart all all sides of them client and creative um and yeah so that's how i got to where i am i just 
And, you know, I would get to one point and like kind of hit a ceiling and then I'd go to the next point and reach out and keep moving. If I felt like I couldn't move up or I couldn't get a raise to pay my bills or whatever, or if I wasn't doing what I wanted creatively and I felt really stuck, I just, I'm that type of person that embraces change a lot. I think some Mm. people really get in that rut of doing the same thing every day and thinking there might not be any other options, but actually there are, there are so many options out there. So I would just encourage everybody listening to really go for what you want. Do not settle, hold your breath and jump. Mm, Good advice. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, I literally needed that right now. So. Mm. Oh, good. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So do it. (laughs) you got to uh, the position that you're in. What has been one component that I guess you didn't, expect to to have in your role and is that like uh do you feel like you're working constantly how is your home to work life balance um and now that like you started as a receptionist and you're an executive um in that path what was probably the most rewarding and what was something that oh actually you just said it you just said making friendships and and seeing people as people is the most important part so But there's still, there's other rewards too, actually, because I know where you're going with this. And so, Mm. well, so work-life balance in our world is tricky. For instance, if you decide for people that are listening that are artists and you decide, you know, I want to try composing. Composing is such a cool way to make a lot of money, especially in ads, because they are just popping up all the time. And if you're good at what you do, Word's going to spread. You're going to have a great reel, meaning portfolio of spots mm-hmm. you've done. And other places are going to hire you. It, the tricky part is juggling all those things as a composer. Again, I'm not a composer. I did play instruments um, in high school and college, which um, mm-hmm. maybe I'll divulge. But, um, yeah, I would you do? Come on. I started with trumpet and then I, nice. um, and then I moved to tuba. Oh, I played the tuba. Yeah. <laughs> you did? I was hoping you were going to say tuba. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. played the tuba in middle school. Uh, uh, I didn't bring it into high school. Life. Yeah. No, uh, I started playing guitar in high school. Well, uh, eighth grade, ninth grade is when I moved from tuba to guitar. Once I figured out the basic structure of music theory, I was like, uh, I can find an instrument that I actually enjoy playing and That's a big <laughs> jump. apply the same thing. Yeah. It was a big <laughs> jump. <laughs> I, I don't think my lips are powerful enough. <laughs> I tried learning how to play trumpet and it just it doesn't take do it. much. Do it. Yeah. Gotta tighten I, that embouchure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, it was good practice yeah. to learn how to kiss too. Huh? It was good practice to learn how to kiss. Oh yeah, just yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um well anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked. I got I That's our fault. Went on tangent. But basically for composers, um, I don't know if there's a lot of work-life balance, to be honest, with composers because they're just constantly writing and to be a great freelance composer or I should say successful with your finances, you're picking up every project that comes your way and -hmm. you're composing all the time, which to some people sounds like a dream. Um, For me, I do very much push for a work-life balance. I remember one of the companies that I worked with, they didn't take lunch. And I was like, okay, (laughs) as one of the leaders here, we're all going to take lunch. 
<laughs> at the same time mm-hmm. every day from 1 to 2 yeah. p.m. And they were yeah, like, awesome. what if a client wants to talk? And I was like, they can wait. the client's going to have to wait for us to eat lunch. Yeah. Um, and I, I really do, you know, I'm in a leadership position now and I, I respect my team so much. And I, I don't think it's fair for people just because you like something to expect you to break your back doing it. I think we all work hard. We all respect each other. We all respect the companies we work for typically, and we deserve to take a break. So I really push for, um, so I work East Coast hours, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. with lunch from 1 to 2 p.m. And Mm -hmm. I think that, I know it sounds so little, but actually like it's so important to take breaks and to end the day. And I really try to protect my staff and team too. If somebody wants weekend work, we're going to charge a lot more for that. And I'm going to push to see at this timeline, can it actually be pushed? Like, does it actually need to happen over the weekend? Some mm-hmm. brands, you got two days to produce original demos and ship, which is bananas. Oh, wow. Um, and other people. So, um, yes, back to the rewarding thing. So, yes, these relationships have been so rewarding. Also, I worked on a project um, maybe like, I think it was a year or two ago. It was um, it was a, a YouTube Originals platform. They were launching the, the YouTube Originals as for filmmakers to launch, you know, their projects on mm-hmm. it. And it's a little twi- like hard to understand, but basically on YouTube Originals, Ridley Scott had done uh, 10 years prior, not using um, <laughs> YouTube Originals, um, basically it, it was a film called life in a day and it was in 2010 and then 10 years later shot life in a day, 2020. And That's sick. if you know what happened in 2020, it was a lot mm-hmm. crazier. Yeah. Um, yeah. but basically they passed cameras to at people all around the world. And at the same time, same day, all different locations, they all started shooting at the same time. So I was working and it's an amazing film, by the way, like you guys should totally, everybody definitely check it out. I got a little chill, you know, this was for the trailer for this Mm -hmm. and also like communicating that this was being launched on Amazon. I'm sorry, on, on YouTube originals, Mm -hmm. all of that. So, um, there was this incredibly in depth process that I was managing where, they basically, because of the different people in this film, they really wanted two different artists that were incredibly different to come together. Also, as a a, a, a country and a world, we were incredibly divided at that time. So we also mm-hmm. wanted to kind of bridge that gap metaphorically. So we went through so, I mean, I pitched so many different combinations of people, old, young, white, black, purple, like, (laughs) you know, um, like merengue, uh, hip hop, you name it, like bluegrass, all these different genres. How are we going to make this come together and cover strangers by the kinks? Mm. Um, so at the end of the day, it ended up being two artists that I just adore the black Pumas and Lucius. I actually used to manage Lucius in a very informal capacity when I first nice. um, discovered them in New York. They are amazing humans and their voices are just iconic. Everybody listening should check out Black Pumas and Lucius. Um, but at the time, um, one of them was pregnant 
They did not have healthcare coverage at that time. They were not touring because of the pandemic. And because this project had SAG attached, they were able to get healthcare to deliver their baby. That's so, awesome. <laughs> it's like <laughs> moments like that where it's like, holy crap, this is changing yeah. someone's you life. Can curse like, on this here is literally too. impacting someone's life. <laughs> you don't have to filter yourself, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be mindful of the kitties. But yeah, um, that's fair. Sure. Our audience uh, has already heard it a few times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, you I know, think, like, uh, I do understand, like, the, these sinks. You know, since Napster came out, like F Napster, but also I loved (laughs) it as a college kid to listen to all this music and learn about how to do this. Um, But yeah, since Napster, like the whole, nobody is buying music, obviously. Like Pharrell has like $2 to his track Happy, you know, for streaming. And so the only way that artists are really making money are touring, Mm -hmm. merch, or syncs. Yep. You know, or they're converting to composing and they're getting, you know, a certain amount of money per project, maybe. Yeah. But it's really hard to make money as a musician. And I get that. And anybody that reaches out to me, like, I understand it's really hard, the position that you're in, because you might be mm-hmm. really, really talented and maybe nobody knows. Like, how do you get that? So I I really respect and value artists and I really love making a difference and giving a sync to someone that's never been heard before breaking a song is like I get butterflies like it's it's the best like falling in love every time yes and yeah yeah, we're really are we are changing people's lives which is awesome awesome and they're Uh, changing mine too yeah uh, what you talked about earlier, I've heard that um, some briefs are like, you have 24 hours, we need a start to finish, it needs to be about love. Um, how many of those are you seeing? And is that really this world? Or are you seeing that less and less and companies are more organized and giving you enough time to get the the music finished? Yeah, so I mean, it really runs the gamut. You have some, I think it I think it stems from the very beginning of the chicken versus the egg where the account director, let's just say, is communicating with the brand Mm -hmm. or the people at the agency that are like the liaisons with the brand, let's just say. Um, We're just going to use McDonald's. I'm literally just pulling a brand out out of air. But let's just say McDonald's is going to an agency and saying, hey, we need everything uh, within three days, whatever, it's really on the account director or the head of accounts to really communicate actually McDonald's for this. Like you want an original piece that's created by Beyonce. We're going to need three to six weeks to do this at least, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it, it starts at the top there or wh- whoever is communicating with the client. And then from there, you're, you're employing the producer. Um, well, obviously the, the creative sorry, first to really write that creative idea, figure it out, get it approved by client. Okay, we're going to do this. All right, producer. Now we now they're going to sit down and be like, all right, to do this, I'm going to need 12 weeks total to shoot, to edit, to record the song, and to mix, finish. Um, so that timeline is 
ideal <laughs> because you have two people that are advocating for you, the account director and the producer to be like, nope, we need more time. On the flip side of this, you have brands that are busting out different spots every week. Think about all that direct mail that you get, all those emails that you get that are constant. There's certain brands that I'm sure we can all think of and know that are always putting out new spots. So mm-hmm. those, they unfortunately do not have the timeline to do this. But if it's just a if it's just a straight composition, let's say, where it's like, you know, not something that's going to need a full, full orchestra to be recorded or singers to be recorded. If it's non-vocal and it's maybe we can do it, you know, with really amazing samples, for instance, we don't need to record things live. Um, I would say three to four business days for us to create the first round of original demos. Um, and you do have people that are like, well, we don't have that timeline. You just got to make, you know, send us pre-existing stuff from your library and we can tweak it. Um, the, and the tweaks may be like one to two business days, but you know, I always try to fight for more, but if it's anything choreographed, anything that is going to need to be, you know, synced to like, if you're cutting to picture, like you, you want to have it ready beforehand. So those timelines really fluctuate, um, for that YouTube project, we had a really healthy timeline, Um, which, you know, like was able to, we were really able to explore that creative and really sit with it and dig into it and make sure we felt comfortable moving forward with these artists with that amount of money, with that, you know, with that track. Um, and how are we going to do that during a pandemic too? So I was very thankful to have enough time and, and I'm always very thankful to have enough time to be able to create things. But if you are becoming a producer, or for instance, you're passing me a track of yours that as an artist you created, I've already asked you, you know, if I need to like tweak this track a little bit, even though it's already like, let's say on the airwaves, I need to edit it. You know, I might have an engineer on my side do it, but the artist might want to do it too. But on the flip side of that, you have to be ready to respond immediately. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like if you are in talks with a music supervisor as an artist, you better have your phone, your ringer on the highest like level of sound. You're going to have alerts on your email. Like you want to respond immediately because we don't have time. Mm -hmm. We don't have time and we have to move on if we don't hear from you. So what would be the best way for an artist to kind of get their music in front of you? I get this question a lot. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so I think the first thing is you're going to all laugh, but acknowledging that we are human beings. Mm, we are sense. humans. We, um, we are not just money churning people um, and mm-hmm. money cows. Mm-hmm. Um, although sometimes we do find ourselves in that role, which is very rewarding. But I, if I were you, as an artist, what I would do is I would research who you're looking up and who you want to hit up. I get blanket emails all the time. Check out this music. And guess what? It doesn't match anything I've done nor anything I would ever do. Mm-hmm. So look back, go into people's IMDB pages, go to their LinkedIn, go to their website, find out what projects that they're working on or what vibes they're usually working with within music and tailor your batch to that. Also, again, we're humans. 
somebody did something to like that really impacted me. And by the way, this would never be expected. And I would never, I, I just would never expect anyone to ever do this in the future. But it really impacted me. I, I do a lot of philanthropy work. Um, I get involved in a lot of organizations that try, I try to help the world as much as possible. Um, and somebody caught wind of a women's shelter that I was actively um, volunteering with and, and uh, involved with. And they made a $20 donation, which again, I don't want to take y'all's money. I don't want you to shell out money. But just the fact that they were like, okay, this is something that means something to her. I'm yeah. going, to, it's going to mean something to me now. And yeah. then they were impacted. That was just amazing. That is amazing. Um, it was. And and I'll like I'll never forget that. And since then I've helped mentor that person and their catalog. I've tried to help them get more syncs, link them mm-hmm. in with other people. Like it just went a long way. You know, yeah. again, don't shell out money if you don't have it. Don't try to buy people with a gift card. Mm-hmm. But like just take an interest in what we're doing and really tailor your pitch. There's a couple other things I want to list about this. One, never include your tracks as an attachment because Mm -hmm. our inboxes will die. (laughs) They will be clogged and we will not be able to work. And then we're going to be really, really pissed off at you. Mm -hmm. So make a WeTransfer link, a Dropbox link, a Box.com link. Disco is the best. I don't get paid to say this. But get it yourself, a disco login, and Mm -hmm. send links that way. Sometimes people have a disco link that you can just constantly upload to their disco link, and they'll have a nice little library of all the people that have submitted that they can Mm -hmm. review. I don't have that link um, just because I'm always working on different things. But maybe I will. Um, But disco is the best. Just have some sort of digital way to send a link of your music. Do not attach it please. Um, and, and then I would say, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm just talking so much, but there's, no, this is why we have great. Taking notes right now. <laughs> I would go back to like the conception phase of creating a track. Okay. <clears throat> you're in a studio, you're with your, your buds and you've recorded. Okay. Have that split sheet ready to sign off on all of your splits. Agree on it at that point. Because guess what? If you wait for a saint to come in, that is going to get messy. And a music supervisor is going to move on. They don't want drama. They want ease. They want it to be clean. So, Mm. okay. You know, you get 50%. You get 50%. Boom. Signed. Loaded. Done. Um, Also, have all of your splits slash stems um, of like all of your layers of your tracks, like try to isolate all of those because the more uh, able we are trying, we are the more we are able to manipulate these tracks and tweak them or control Mm -hmm. that we have over those elements of the guitar and the bass and, you know, all of them, it's, it makes it so much easier to do when you're like mixing a track against voiceover or whatever you want to tweak it. Um, also I would, I would also recommend recording or just removing the vocals. If you've, if you've isolated those stems enough where you have the vocals in a very clean contained space, bounce out an instrumental version. Mm. Um, a new thing that I've started recommending, um, is 
after you've done your creative thing and really made what you wanted, go back and swap out those vocals for vocal textures. The cool Good thing call. about vocal textures are they are universal. There's no language and it can go on any market. Um, you can also get SAG payments as a vocalist with those versus an oh. instrumental. So it adds a little bit of like a human texture to tracks. Um, but I would recommend doing that at the very end after you've already executed your creative vision. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's always nice to have just different options within these tracks. So making sure that everything again is uploaded and ready to send like at a drop of a hat. Okay. Yeah. Josh, I need an instrumental version in like an hour. Okay. Yeah. Boom. I got it on my phone, sending it to you right now. Those yeah. are the people that I want to work with that have their stuff together. So best case scenario, they have a Dropbox folder specifically for the song that has all of that in there. Mm -hmm. You know, their splits, their stems, everything. And then they just send you Instrumentals. Yep, if, there is sure. a, is a, if there is a vocalese, vocal texture yeah. track, totally. Yep, but the, but you should have this ready to go. Like if you if you really want to make money in sync and you have something good, like get all the pieces together mm -hmm. beforehand in pre-production. So it's just ready to send with production. For sure. She said uh, a couple of things that are uh, key takeaways. One, those split sheets are super important. Yeah. Keep your mess at home. A lot of artists forget that this is still a business. Mm -hmm. When you present yourself, do that to the best of your ability. Second, and I had that nightmare, mm -hmm. uh, get your stems. Get your stems. Yes. Yeah. Make sure that you have that. So like when you work with the engineer, generally they'll charge you a little bit more, 25, 50 bucks, right? Um, and then like she was saying, you'll have your TV edit, you'll have your instrumental, you have the full track. Get that down do that right away and that way you're not playing catch up yeah you want that just yeah just because you work with a sound engineer doesn't necessarily mean that you have uh, immediate free rights to your stems and that's yeah, for sure. a lot of people think too yeah they're completely lost on that and yeah. that's just something where it's just like get that done it's super easy and if you have that transparency ahead of time letting them know you do want to enter that world that's the way to go there's also yeah. one other thing too i just remembered um that I've been a part of um, a lot of like different sync sync camps. Um, there's one that's just standing out that I just adore. It's with Jim Atterbury. Um, it's called the Durango Songwriters Expo. And um, I have attended two or three of those now. And it has just, and there's one in Durango. Actually, it's not actually in Durango, Colorado. It's in it's being, it's held in like Westminster, um, but originally it was in Durango and, um, there's one in Ventura, California. Mm -hmm. And those are like amazing ways to pitch your music because people are like, okay, I got your email address. You're not responding <laughs> because we get hit up like millions of times a day, but that's yeah. okay. Um, try to develop these relationships and see where people are going. So it's just one example, but the Durango songwriters expo, um, slash Ventura Songwriters Expo is a place where you can bring your tracks. It's really an interesting format too. I'll tell you briefly. Basically, you have five minutes to play your music and get feedback total. So you're playing snippets, you're playing portions, maybe you're playing one track only, and then you're getting feedback immediately. And those mm -hmm. people that are giving you feedback are 
head of A&R people that can sign you to labels, publishers that can sign you to a publisher, label people, um, also music supervisors, um, and so on. People uh, also like producers and songwriters that are like, actually, I want to collaborate with this person. Sweet. Um, So, and then we have, you know, everything in our hand, people print out their lyric sheet, they have their contact information on it, they're playing one song, some people pay play like seven songs, and I'm like, have a minute for feedback. But anyways, that's a really cool way too to meet people in person and put a face to a name. And actually, that was this songwriters expo is where Megan Trainer was discovered. So um, there's just a lot of like opportunities there. And it's such a lovely way to just organically meet people. I mean, so that that was just one other thing I was going to say is like, if you can get involved in songwriters or sync camps, um, that is also another way just to get your your name out there. If you don't Mm -hmm. have, for instance, a sync agent or big well known manager or anything like that. Yeah. You think we have one more uh, time for one more? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, with what she said, um, Immortal Girlfriends from Milwaukee, and they had that set up for them. All of a sudden, they show up. Um, they got picked up by Low Profile. Low Profile pitched their song. They got um, the Wednesday, which is going to change their life. Literally, yeah. it's like right before the dance scene. Um, they got Good Girls, NBA uh, 2K22, all of this all happened because they were willing to fly out, not get paid. <laughs> just yeah. like you have to take the risk. Yeah. Sometimes it's an investment. You just got to make sure you're investing in the right spots. For I've sure. seen a lot of people spend money in places that they probably shouldn't have spent money in because, and they could have done it differently. Totally. You know? And and shout out to my girl, Jen Pierce at Low Profile. She is like always pounding those pavements and really trying to advocate for artists. So yeah, when you have a sync agent like that, like you're, yeah, you're in good they're, hands. Their transparency—it's beautiful on their page. They yeah. tell you exactly what it is, how they set it up, and that is awesome. So once again, like for someone like you to open up the eyes and in, in this avenue for musicians, that's really important. That means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Chris found you. I have to be fully transparent. I am like learning your industry currently. So it's just, it's awesome to see what your world is like because it's an interesting yeah, uh, component absolutely. to get into. So for sure. Well, well, thank you, Jenny. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up now. Um, I actually, I do have one more question. Um, do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is one thing you would like to do before you end your career? For sure. Before I end my career, you guys, yeah. I'm not even for The last hurrah. I what know. is your one massive goal? <laughs> massive. <laughs> oh, man. This is such a big question. Okay, so within music. <laughs> um, I think I, you know, it's so funny because I feel like with the changing landscape of this world and our economy, we don't know if we're going to have the same job tomorrow, tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know, like that might, oh yeah, fuck that. 
Um, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> Sorry, I did yeah, curse. I get it. I get it. That's okay. Um, it was a matter of time. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But I say that because if I, this sounds so cheesy, but if like, if somebody told me tomorrow, Jenny, unfortunately, your, your career is over. Mm. I would be happy with that. I would be okay. I would be content with what I have accomplished. I think that there is always going to be something more like, oh man, if I could have collaborated with Prince or whatever, you know, (laughs) like Jimi Hendrix been in this room while he wrote those lyrics, you know, um, there's always going to be regrets of like, oh, what if I had done that? But I think that, you know, in your heart, like in your gut, if you're doing the right thing, like, you know it and you Mm -hmm. know when you're not doing the right thing. And Mm -hmm. I, I always wake up feeling like I'm doing the right thing and I'm doing something that brings me joy. And if for some reason it doesn't at some point, I'm going to change that. So I feel like my career, like, is this fluid little blob that's floating around like a Kirby and just eating these amazing experiences. I love that reference. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think there's always going to be cool shit to do. There's yeah. always going to be another person where you want to collaborate with them. But if again, if someone told me tomorrow that you're done, yeah. it would be okay. What a good answer. So sick. Yeah. So sick. So... <laughs> So thank you, Jenny, so much for coming on. Um, I'd love to have you on again in the future. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of feedback on this one because this is a hot topic for a lot of artists. Um, And we'll probably, yeah, we'll probably do a questionnaire on Spotify uh, to where you can drop in and put in a question you wanted to be asked. So maybe we could do a follow up, you know, with those. That'd be sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm at your whim. I'm at your disposal. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Likewise, if you ever need anything from us, you know, we're here for For you. Yeah. (laughs) I got your digits. There you go. (laughs) Cool. All right, Jenny. Well, I appreciate it again. Um, It was really nice having you on here and provide a lot of good information. Thank you. Yeah. Great questions. Really nice to meet you guys. Yeah. Likewise. And thanks to everybody listening to Break the Gay Podcast. Boom. (laughs) Yeah, that was lame. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>